Over the past two decades, renewable energy developed only incrementally. That may now completely change, however, as major global economies commit to becoming net zero in an attempt to curb rising global temperatures. In the coming decades, fossil fuels will be replaced by a combination of wind, solar, bioenergy, geothermal and hydroenergy. And there are good reasons to believe that solar in particular is set to become the king of electricity and the largest source of energy generation. In this podcast, I talk to Christopher Meller about the opportunities that the solar sector offers to investors. Chris is head of EMEA ETF, Equity and Commodity Product Management at Invesco. Chris, a warm welcome. It's wonderful to have you. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. Chris, we're going to talk about this solar sector in the coming half hour, but I thought I'd kick it off with a bit of a personal question. And I was wondering, do you already have solar panels on your own roof? Uh, I don't have solar panels on my roof. It it doesn't really work in in the setup I have at my house, but I do buy my electricity from a renewable energy supplier. So uh, hopefully doing my bit for moving the environment uh, forward. That's great. Uh, Now, solar is just one of the many renewable energy uh, sources that are out there. Why do you believe that solar has a stronger investment case than, for example, wind or or hydro energy? It's really a question of efficiency and cost that are driving demand for solar energy. And when we look at the outcome or the outlook for, for the solar sector, you know, solar accounts for around about, you know, 11% of electricity capacity today. That's forecast to rise to almost 40% of installed electricity capacity by 2050. And it's worth saying that electricity capacity itself is set to treble by 2050 as the electrification of the economy happens in order to help reduce carbon emissions. Solar is a key part of that electrification story. So would you say then that the the massive switch to solar energy is realistic from an economic point of view well, as well, Christopher? Yeah, as I was saying, you know, it, it's an efficiency and cost question, really. And it's, it's card, cold, hard-nosed economics that's driving the growth of solar installed capacity. You know, technology advances, economies of scales have really crushed the price of, of solar electricity on a levelized basis. Uh, it's around six cents per kilowatt hour. That makes it cheaper than installing new coal, new nuclear, new natural gas, and indeed, you know, uh, offshore wind. That Price decline, well, prices have fallen by about 85% since 2010, uh, and they're forecast to fall by another 70%. So, you know, although there is, you know, a large amount of investment required to, to uh, grow solar capacity and indeed renewable capacity in general, you know, it makes economic sense to do that. And when we look at that solar sector, um, what are the different market segments within solar that are interesting from an investor's point of view, would you say? Yeah, so I think there's a whole uh, a whole range of exposures that you can take to the solar sector and all areas of the solar supply chain. I, I personally think equally interesting and have the potential as, as an interesting investment um, from you know polysilicon producers making the raw materials that are fed through to you know making uh, the solar cells, the the modules themselves, the installers. 
um, the the providers of uh, the electrical uh, equipment behind uh, the sector, uh, as well as I think also sort of specialist funding uh, companies involved in funding and 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 supporting the sector as well. So it's a a wide range of potential investment options that that have meaningful exposure to solar. Right, and and you've referred to materials already, and that is actually currently maybe a bit of an issue because the world is facing uh, shortages in in the key materials and also high shipping costs as a consequence. To what extent does this have an impact on the solar sector overall? Yeah, I think it it obviously has short term issues on the sector. You know, in terms of potential for higher prices and you know delays in shipping, as 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 all other parts of the economy are experiencing uh, today, as we you know see a, something of a economic reacceleration coming out of the COVID slowdown. These kind of short term you know supply demand issues uh, or imbalances in in the commodity space are not uncommon, um, but. For the longer term, you know, the the story of of history is that, you know, supply in commodities, you know, increases to meet demand as you see new sources of of supply being, you know, discovered and brought on, uh, brought into production or or funded and brought into production. So, yes, there are some potential short term issues, but I think over the long term uh, and and very much I'd view solar as a long term investment play, uh, you know, on that decarbonisation theme. I think those short term issues are are unlikely to, to be more than a blip in the road. Uh, now, Chris, in the past, the solar sector depended heavily on being subsidized. Is that still the case? And do you think that the sector can actually survive without those government subsidies? Yes, I, I think so. The answer to that is that, first of all, it, it was very much a story of subsidies. Uh, and if you look at the, the sort of movements in solar stocks and, and solar related investment activities, there are two big, big peaks that we've seen so far. The first was in the, the previous decade, so the noughties, where we saw significant government subsidies going into supporting the growth in, in renewable energy. That, of course, all came to an end with the global financial crisis and governments you know, uh, started withdrawing those subsidies and, and in order to uh, recover from the, the crisis. Um, the truth is today, though, that you know, with that significant fall in solar prices that I've talked about, it's no longer requiring government subsidies. The fact that it's the lowest cost you know, source of electricity means that the economics speak for themselves. Um, it's not to say that, it, that solar doesn't benefit from government policy. Uh, and obviously, we've seen a significant focus from, from governments around the world on decarbonisation, you know, increased use of carbon pricing in the EU and you know, California, for example, and, and you know, uh, all of that pushes up the cost of, of high carbon uh, energy supplies, uh, which then makes solar uh, even more appealing from from the perspective of, of, of economics. Right. Now let's let's take a bit of a closer look at your approach uh, at Invesco. Um, in which part of the value chain do you see the most value for investors? There's the suppliers of raw materials, there's the producers of the electric components that we spoke about, or maybe the, the producers of the solar panels themselves. Uh, where do you see the most value for investors? Yeah, I think you know the, the truth is there will there will be periods where certain parts of the value chain look more appealing, but the reality is today, you know, we've we you know uh, can see forty four investable companies in the solar space at the moment, and very much you know if you start to drill down and try and pick individual winners within a, a sort of relatively small constrained universe, um, you're going to be you know very much exposed to to the vagaries of a sort of individual chance. Our view is very much that you know it's 
this is a, a secular growth story in the whole sector, uh, and that that rising tide of of solar demand is going to you know provide a lift for for all of those you know forty four investable companies today, and you know potentially more in the future. So the approach we take, as you were saying, is uh, a passive one, uh, and I'd certainly advocate a more broad based approach to to the sector, and rather than trying to pick winners. Right uh, now, one of the challenges with solar energy is uh, storage. Um, do you think that the technology is advanced enough? to provide value to investors? Yeah, so, you know, storage is is the age-old question, I guess, for solar. You know, this uh, this intermittency issue, you know, it only provides energy when the sun is out, although the technology in solar has become, you know, much more effective, so, such that uh, solar is now efficient in, I, I guess you'd say, the cloudy and, and grey northern European climes in which which which, which I live. <laughs> Where and, both of in us which are, you, probably. Yes. Live, yeah. um, so, <laughs> yeah. so from a, a sort of general production standpoint that's fine obviously storage is vital for renewables in general and you know we've seen you know huge levels of investment in in battery technology um uh, with something like 3.6 billion dollars uh, uh invested in energy storage in in 2020 uh, and significantly more investment to come you know that technology is getting there it's now battery technology is good enough to to you know drive us around in our cars and batteries in solar installations are very rapidly becoming the new norm you know storage is as much a part of the solar solution as the chips and the modules and and uh, and all the rest of, of the solar paraphernalia. Mm. Now, now at Invesco, you are playing the solar sector through an ETF. Uh, you mentioned it already. Why do you choose to tackle such a rapidly evolving, uh, evolving investment theme through a passive approach, uh, Chris? Yeah, so the approach we've taken is to to partner with experts in the solar space. Um, so uh, we've launched the, the the ETF we have is 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 tracking the Mac Global Solar Energy Index, and that was launched uh, back uh, in in two thousand and eight. So it's uh, uh, the, the the longest running um, uh, global solar index, and what Mac do is bring their expertise in the solar spe- sector in terms of setting up the index and ensuring that we're getting the best possible opportunities in in that solar space. You know, I guess there are a number of other ways that you could do this, but have you on a lot of these sort of thematic type areas uh, is if we can partner with the with, with industry experts, we're able to leverage their their knowledge and their expertise uh, and then we provide an efficient and effective way of getting exposure to to the stocks that they're able to to identify. And in which of the market segments currently lies the focus uh, of the index and and why? <laughs> yeah, so if you look at the breakdown of, of the index, it's it's um, relatively broadly spread. So in terms of the number of opportunities, there were probably more stocks in things like solar power project development and, and operation uh, and the sort of second largest segment is the area of manufacturing solar panels and, and the integrated production of, of solar. Uh, but we also have exposure to residential solar power installers, polysilicon uh, and wafer manufacturers, specialist glass manufacturers, companies that build uh, and design solar tracking uh, equipment, uh, and indeed, you know, companies providing the DC-AC electrical inverters that are required for, for solar panels to, to work. So there's a wide array of, of exposures in the index. 
um, perhaps you know mostly ex- or more more heavily exposed towards those, as I say, those power project developers and operators and integrated solar manufacturing companies. Right. Uh, when we then look at the valuation of the sector, would you say that the sector is still attractively valued? Yeah, valuation is always tricky in these kind of um, growth areas, as obviously you tend to see these uh, stocks with stronger long-term earnings growth potential, you know, being valued based on their longer earnings uh, outlook rather than the the near-term earnings. Um, So, you know, uh, when you look at valuations, you know, they can sometimes look a a little stretched. Um, if you look at something like price to earnings, for example, the the you know the average price to earnings ratio for the index that we're tracking is just over forty five times next twelve months earnings. Um, that compares to around twenty times for for the broader global equity market. If you look at it on something like price to sales, it's three times versus two point three times. So these stocks do tend to trade at a valuation premium. Um, in terms of valuations today. You know, they're certainly looking more appealing and more attractive than they were, say, at at the end of last year when, you know, the average in the index uh, was trading at more than 100 times forward earnings. And I think it's fair to say there was a fair amount of froth and and over exuberance in the market. A lot of that has has come out and we're starting to see valuations at a a much more sort of uh, reasonable level for this sort of long term growth story. Maybe as a final question, because we've seen uh, stock prices of solar uh, companies plummet, both in 2008 as well as in uh, 2011. How big would you say is the risk of another crash in the solar sector right now? Yeah, you know, it's a great question. I think the answer is that the world of 2008 and 2011 is very different to the world of of 2021. Um, The drivers of growth in the solar sector, you know, back then were heavily affected by subsidy and therefore heavily affected by, you know, government decisions. Um, Today, I guess going back to my first point, you know, it's all back to hard-nosed economics. Companies are installing solar generating capacity, not because governments are paying them to do it, but because it makes economic sense going forward. And I think the solar sector is much much more sustainable and has a much longer future ahead of it uh, than it did based on subsidies, you know, uh, a decade or so ago. So the future looks bright for solar, <laughs> I'd say. <laughs> I, I'd agree. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Christopher. It was a pleasure talking to you. No problem. It's very nice to meet you. You listened to a podcast about the opportunities that the energy transition offers to investors. And I would like to thank today's guest, Chris Meller, head of EMEA ETF, Equity and Commodity Product Management at Invesco for his time and his insights. This podcast is offered to you by Invesco. And for more podcasts, please visit fondsnews.nl if you are based in the Netherlands or if you're located in Belgium, please visit the Investment Officer website, investmentofficer.be. Mm-hmm.